Everyman Podcast. Everyman Podcast, brother Jay. Dude, we got to Every time I hear that intro, man, like every time I hear that that last that last bit gets me every time. I'm like, "Oh god. I love it. I love it. I love it. Pumped up and ready to pop." That's uh that's the Everyman Podcast for you. So, Daryl, what's up, man? What are you doing? You chilling? Dude, dude, it's quarantine day, whatever it is, man. It's it's question question marks at this point because we've been indoors uh, so long. But um, dude, just negotiating the the work wiles and ways uh, at home through my phone, through my computer, and you know trying to do as, as much pre production work so that you know when we come out of this mess that uh, there's not a lot of, uh, there's, there's there's not a lot of hand. I mean, not, not hand, but hard hard work that I have to do because I've already mapped it out. But, um, you know, that's just the everyman way, man. We always prepare. You gotta watch out for that uh, hard handwork. Oh, oh, dude, dude, that, that hard handwork. Um, um, but just, you know, just kind of like, uh, some of the words of, uh, of our, of our guests that we're, that we're having today, you gotta, uh, adapt and overcome, bro. That's That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, extending here on our Corona Chronicles, um, we've got an excellent guest today, young Chance Labrie coming to us from Canada. Um, he is a young man. Uh, he's a drummer for Falset and a great musician, uh, fun guy to talk to. And we had a nice little chit chat about uh, all things music and what it's been like uh, kind of touring with his, uh, with his father's band, a uh, little guy you might have heard of, uh, Dream Theater. Um, so we've had a couple of little Dream Theater related guests here the last couple of weeks, which has been very cool. I'm always, always happy to uh, to talk Dream Theater. So, um, yeah, the, and and of course, you know what everybody's talking about is the Tiger King. Oh, oh Tiger King, man! Joe Exotic, Doc Annel, and dude, just America, dude. <laughs> I uh, so yeah, we. We're not going to get into it now, but in the podcast, we dive deep into uh, into the Tiger King. And let me tell you, if you haven't had a chance to watch the Tiger King yet, if you've got time on your hands, please, by all means, um, at the end of this podcast, go check out the Tiger King on Netflix. It'll, it'll blow your socks right off. It just never stops getting crazy the whole way through. Dude, it's, it's, it's just amazing. I, I, I swear, if I... If I wasn't as old as I was, uh, I would I would I would want a mullet because of Joe Exotic. I would want that in uh, in a big way. Listen, we can get you a mullet. I, I got a guy. I get that. No problem, dude. I mean, we have so many people on the cosmic canoe with us. I'm pretty sure if we just have somebody from the back roll to the front, we can do that too. <laughs> yeah, just put it out there, and it shall be. So, um, with that being said, uh, you know, if if you're listening to us for the first time. Check out some of our, our other podcasts here in the archives. We've had Mike Mangini, John Petrucci, uh, world-class uh, musicians, like other great drummers like Naveen Copperweiss from Entheos and, and Chaney Crab from Entheos. Uh, lots of cool stuff, so go ahead and check that out. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review and uh, share it with your friends and, and enjoy this uh, this conversation here with Chance Labrie from Falset. Let's do it. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast, uh, and these are Corona Chronicles series of podcasts here, uh, is the drummer from Falset, a uh, friend of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Chance Labrie. Chance, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? We're good, man. We're good. We're happy to finally get you on the podcast. We've been talking 
texting, sending each other tracks for a couple months here, and uh, it's great to finally uh, finally connect here. Yeah, it's good to finally get to talk, man. Yeah, I, I, f- I figured uh, once this all happened, I reached out. I was like, hey, looks like uh, I think we got some time. So it uh, that's the silver lining so far is we've been able to connect with some really awesome people and have some really cool conversations. So, Chance, uh, tell us tell us and our listeners here, what's up? Where are you? What's going on, man? I'm just at home right now. Uh, been working a lot more on my drumming. That's, I guess, like you said, the one silver lining of all this is it gives us all a bit more time at home to get some stuff done that we've all been wanting to get done for months or years. So I've been just like hammering down on the drums, working on stuff I've been meaning to work on for months. And it's been good. It's been good downtime, a lot of relaxing. I've, I've gotten to hang out with my dad. Like he's been touring crazy amounts the last two years. So him being home, it's sort of like a blessing in disguise. We're getting to chill out and uh, hang out, which is nice. Yeah, that's got to be really a relief. And, you know, we just had Mike Mangini on the podcast recently, and he was saying the same thing, that, you know, that they're on the road so much and have been, you know, so often. And and for me, um, it's like, you know, I'm going about my, my normal life, and then every couple months it's like, oh, Dream Theater's in town. And it's like, and that's kind of like, I, that's how I think of that kind of time. I don't realize how, how much time they really are on the road. So that's got to really be cool to uh, get some family time in. I know, Daryl, that's what you've been uh, – You've been hanging out there doing. He's he, Daryl's practically a teacher now. <laughs> it's the online school and stuff, man. You know, all the kids have to do it now with the uh, coronavirus shutting everything down. So, and this is going to continue all the way through the the remainder of the summer and the tail end of their school years. But um, yeah, I mean, big shout outs, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. Big shout outs to the teachers because uh, everything that they're able to do for our kids and you know keep them situated and, and instructed and 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 kind of reared up the right the right way. You don't really think about it until. You know, you have you actually have to do it uh, through an online portal. You know, afterwards. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of my friends are still in college, and they're all on the online teaching now. So, that's good that every everyone was able to adapt so quickly. Like I was thinking about it. What if this happened in like the 80s or 90s? You wouldn't just be able to jump online and yep. get your class done and move forward into next year. You know. So it's, that's a good thing. Yeah, and it's also kind of weird because making me think about like how much time does do you really need to get certain things done if like a lot of this stuff is getting done remote you know with with the teaching and like obviously there's certain things that you just can't replace like the social interaction especially for kids you know um but i mean it's definitely going to change uh you know change things but I, i feel like people like us um and chance you could probably relate to this man like this generation of people that that are like content content creators quote unquote or you know uh musicians that 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 have recording ability like we've all kind of been working at home on our craft for years and like i was thinking because some of the podcasts i listen to you know they go to a studio to to have to get their stuff and i was thinking like damn i'm so I'm, i'm so happy i had you know the sense to do it at home and and have the skills to to record from home um have you been doing a lot of recording uh, in this time, like more than normal, like getting getting some extra songwriting done and stuff? Actually, no. So, like, the band and I, like, we're in a really weird spot right now because we've had this, like, I, I've sent you some of the new tracks. Um, with our yeah, new they're killer. Book. Thank you. And we've been working on a huge marketing plan and 
uh, we were going to get that out in May, but now it's probably not going to come out until June, even if that, because there's just, everything's changing daily. Like the market's so fragile. We don't know if it's a good time or a bad time. Sure, there's more, more people on their phones and looking at Instagram and YouTube and all that, but there's also way more people posting on Instagram and YouTube. And we don't feel like, you know, in a time like this where it's really not good vibes out there in the world, for a band that's young and not that big like us to come out here and say, hey, check out our new single. Hey, check out our new music video. It's sort right. of like, I feel like if you're Justin Bieber and you already have a huge yeah. fan base, you can get away with doing that. But when you're trying to like gain a fan base and everyone's in survival mode, it's not the best timing. So my band, because we're all practicing social distancing in our own homes with our own families, we haven't really been together, been working on new music or been recording. We've all just been working on our own stuff, like our own instruments, our own playthroughs and stuff like that. That's good, man. And, and you're absolutely right about like having some awareness. And, and I'm, you know, I'm uh, I'm glad that you, you're looking at it that way, because there is some like I've gotten some some emails like I'm a big wrestling fan. I was talking to Daryl and like. WrestleMania is coming up, right? And they, they sent me this email that's like, oh, you can get the, you know, the WrestleMania 30 whatever shirt. And it's like, yeah, like, not right now. You know, like, it's just <laughs> like there's like I, I understand, you know, certain things are going to the show's going to go on to a certain extent. But but uh, yeah, timing is is everything with that kind of with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's weird, too, because no one knows how long this is going to last. So. We, we're like we were talking about it just last night. We had a conference call, and we're like, "Okay, guys, like if we start the six-month campaign in June, then six months later we should be coming out of this, and everyone's you know happy again, and the world's back to normal." But it's like, hey, really? At the end of the day, we don't even know if it's going to be over then. It could be over in a month from now. It could be over in two years from now. No one knows. So yeah. we're just trying to put things appropriately. Well, and I'm curious because you're obviously you're, you're calling us from Canada up there. Um, how quick did it seem like uh, you know and you, uh, to you that it escalated to like, oh yeah, that's going on. To well, I guess we're all staying at home and everything's canceled. Like, did it did it move pretty quick for you guys too? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Like it was like one week. Everyone's talking about this virus that started in China, and you know, there's jokes and memes and all that, and then. A week later, everyone, like, there's that huge press conference with, you know, in the U.S. and in Canada on that Monday, a couple weeks back. And after that, everyone's, like, taking it seriously. Everyone's in isolation. Obviously, there's still those some people that aren't respecting social distancing, like like you were talking about earlier, you know, in the grocery stores. People just coming right at your face, just grabbing <laughs> But uh, it literally, it happened overnight, it feels like. Everyone was just, like, taking it lightly, and then the next day, people are freaking out about it. Yeah, it's it's been, uh, it's been eye-opening to see what, you know, what's considered essential and, and, and what, what, how quick you, we've adapted to it, too. And, yeah. you know, like, uh, my brother's got little little girls and it's been hard for them you know to adapt to not being in school and stuff but you know they're making the most of it so i think uh you know for for bands it's gotta be it is tough i know you know talking to a number of of uh you know former guests we've had on the show and just friends of mine that 
that are uh, in, in the business and uh, how I mean everybody's everybody's hurting you know and everybody's yeah. everybody's taking a step back so it's one of those things where I think you know looking back a year from now two years whatever it is three years no one's going to be critical of any a, a group of for holding off for two or three months in a time like this you know like exactly. it, it's going to just one of those things where it's like look everybody everybody took a break you know what are you going to do so yeah um, and i think it's times like these like people really have perspective on what matters like so many people's businesses have been affected and livelihoods have been affected but then if you if you're in the right like mindset and you just take a step back and you really think about you know none of my loved ones are ill right now none of my loved ones have the virus money doesn't matter you know like right as long as everyone's good and well then that's like times like these make you realize that you know yeah and, and also especially like Absolutely. Um, you know we, we a common theme we've been we've been having in these conversations since this started is you know the the, the extra attention it it draws you to like connections to people you know and making you think about ah uh, you know i maybe i shouldn't have blown off getting together with so and so all those times like yeah yeah making you know really making an effort going forward to like cherish those things especially cuz you know i've thought about it, like once once my fiance and i when we bought, when we bought a house a couple years ago i noticed how quickly the weekends go you know and you're doing this one weekend you you building a picnic table the next and then you're doing the gutters and next thing you know it's the end of august and you didn't get you know half your shit done and time just keeps going and uh it's the same thing with this where now we're you know i love to barbecue and i'm thinking like man it'd be great to be able to have a barbecue you know coming up here and you know we're all we're all making sacrifices right yeah 100 percent. this this will make us appreciate those moments a lot more moving forward after all of this yeah and it'll be absolutely Prime for some killer parties too. Once this is all, uh, I keep saying I think we're I think we're gonna get like a new world holiday out of this. Um, yeah, dude, I just saw this thing on Corona Day, and uh, I think it was in L.A. or somewhere in California. But there was this uh, like this all these policemen arresting people because they were having a <laughs> having a birthday party in a park for a one year old, and oh, there was like God. 50 people there, and I'm like, like why? Why, dude? That happened out here too. This well, you know crazy. what's you know what's kind of weird though is on one hand they're releasing people in some of these places and like specifically California, they're releasing prisoners from jail because they're worried about coronavirus. But then they're also arresting people for violating coronavirus social restrictions. It's a very confusing. That's weird, man. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. what are we doing here? <laughs> hey, Justin. Yo, yo, bub. So they had, um, and it's, it's, you know, Chance, it's crazy you were talking about that because, like, in New Jersey, I was talking to my boss today. We were on the phone. And he was saying how his neighbor's, like, his neighbor's son had a birthday party. And so the parents thought it would be cool to just kind of, you know, just drive by the house and like they were just outside of the house and the kids that were in his class would just stick their heads out of the like you know 
the you know the sunroof and just like yo hey Danny happy birthday because of the whole social distancing thing and then what what ended up happening was a lot of the parents started to kind of like stack the car so it'd be it was, it was almost like a you know, four or five six cars start you know kind of coming together and then two door like two houses down from them my uh my boss was like so this this like crazy couple or crazy old like couple in our neighborhood called the cops to come and let people know that well these cars are just stacking up and you know they shouldn't be next to each other and i don't know what these kids think they're doing yelling happy birthday they're like come on man really is it is it that bad to where like you know i mean i get the i get the social restrictions but if you're 20 some feet away from the house and you're just but you know these those are the same people that are going to call the cops when they're like do you have a permit do you have a permit for this you know like they're (laughs) they would be doing that no matter what you know yeah the cops came like it's ridiculous what why why are we here like they're just saying happy birthday and you know where you're in 95 mask Imagine being a cop right now and having to pull people over on the side of the street and then he go up to their window and they're coughing their lungs out. Like, geez. Yeah, dude. Well, and like I, and I was having a conversation with one of my friends. He's up in New York and um, he actually believes he had it and went through him. And he was saying that, uh, you know, how, how weird it is seeing nobody on the streets up there and it's normally busy. It's like a zombie movie or something. And I told him, I was like, I don't know if it's just my paranoia, but when I'm at like at the grocery store, I'm looking at everybody and I'm thinking like, are you, are you the one that's going to get me? Like, are you, do you have it? Do you, is it you, is it you look kind of weird, you know? I did, but I feel like I'm getting those looks and they're looking at me like, am I the one, you yeah. know? Oh, you think like, you're, you're the recipient, huh? Yeah. I feel like people are like looking at me and they're like, is that the guy with the virus in here? You know? Yeah. Right. He looks traveled. Right. Look at him. Let's, let's check him out. It's a worldly hair. man right there. Yeah. That's funny. So speaking of worldly, now uh, we kind of b- briefly glossed over it, but but obviously um, your your father is James Labrie from Dream Theater, and um, you have spent some time on the road with Dream Theater working for them. And when we had James on the show um, uh, back in November, uh, he was he was explaining to us how you were you were getting ready to come out on the road, and he was really looking forward to that. So, uh, I saw it on, on your social media, and and uh, one of my favorite things to do with you know Zach Zach Ross, he's one of our good friends here, and uh, we just had him on recently too, and uh, he doesn't get much better than that guy. But uh, tell us, you know, what was that experience like, and and mainly like, how was it, you know, working for your dad? It was awesome. Like I've been out on the road. Uh, like 10 times now at least with my dad just whether it's in Europe or the States or South America but this time in December was the first time I actually was working like other times before I'd like help out here and help out there because I wanted to be a part of it all but this was the first time I actually had a set job on the crew and I my job was uh, meet and greet coordinator so I would advance with all the promoters uh, to to make sure we had enough area for the 50 guests or the 70 guests or the 20 guests, however however many people bought the VIP package for that evening. I would um, set up with all of those meet and greet people a meeting point at the venue. I would then bring them in. 
I would radio Zach, funny enough, we were just talking about him. He would bring the band in. We'd do a quick picture, one person with everyone in the band, and then they would do a signing. I'd get all the tables ready. I'd get all the backdrops ready. And then I'd pack up, edit the photos, and send all the photos to all the fans. But it was, it was cool because, like I said, on every other tour I had been on, I was sort of living like the band's lifestyle of staying at the hotel until 3 p.m. and then rolling into the gig and everything's set up. But this time I was living the lifestyle of the roadie and the crew guys, and I was going into the venue at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and then not leaving until 12 or 1 the next morning, you know? So that was that was cool because yeah. as much as I thought I knew about the industry and how things work and how things got set up and what a promoter does and what they do and how it all works and how it all comes together to create a show, I learned so much more within two weeks of just being a part of the cruise lifestyle and being out there. And it was a hell of a time. It was awesome. That's so cool to hear, man. And, you know, obviously I, I've never been a part of a machine like that. But, you know, in my experience, it's amazing um, how much of that business is is person to person the day of. You know, and there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of moving parts that get planned out in advance. But there is so much tiny little interactions throughout the course of the day uh, that lead, lead up to the moment that first note gets played till the end of the encore. Um, it's if people had any idea, you know, and, and we, we try and uh, lift the curtain uh, as much as we can when, when we're, you know, uh, able to with that. And, you know, Daryl and I have spent the day down at a Dream Theater show, you know, from, from the afternoon, hanging out all day, watching everything get set up. And um, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's a full, full on production. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's, it's crazy how much it's just, like, dependent on that day. Like, the amount of times I heard adapt and overcome <laughs> on that tour, like, it was a daily thing because every single day there was new variables, new problems, new situations, and it didn't, it didn't matter. It's like, okay, guys, well, what are we going to do? We're going to adapt and overcome, and we're going to make this show happen. And it did every day. And it was crazy some of the shit that like went down. It was like 10 minutes before Dream Theater was going on and Eddie couldn't get the in-ear monitor world up, <laughs> and he's like stressing out. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, Chance, not the time, get out of here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like running off the stage and he's all stressed out. And then they pull it, they pull it together and the show went on. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. Really but, cool how well they work together. And I don't know if you're like me in this, but I love that kind of that extra adrenaline rush of like it's live, you know. And when you're yeah. when you're doing that kind of thing, like that's part of the reason why when guys spend some some time on the road, um, guys and gals, that it's hard for them when they're not on the road, you know, to adjust to normal life because there's no, you know, screaming crowd at the grocery store if I don't get these in ear monitors working, you know. And uh, it's it's like a, it's it's a very you know intense and uh, it, it can be it can be uh, be a lot of fun that just that that pressure you know what I mean? Yeah, those guys' lives like the crew guys it's it's crazy because not only are there hours nuts on the road but then 
right after the tour, when the band they're touring with gets to go home, they're maybe home for like two days, maybe a week, and then they're hopping on a different tour with another band. And then after that, the same thing, and then after that, the same thing. And then at the end of the year, they've only spent a total of a month or two at home with their wives and kids, if they even have that. You know, so they're they're lifestyle. They're hard workers, man. They're really hard workers. Well, that's I mean, that's what the everyman's all about, right? Is is this, you know, the the people that maybe not aren't that, that aren't in the spotlight, you know, that are that are behind the scenes putting that that whole thing on, and it, it's got to feel cool, you know. Like you know, you and I have talked about this chance. Uh, I, you know, I'm a huge Dream Theater fan, and I've been a fan for years way before I, you know, I had any sort of relationship with the guys and I've been one of those people that spent, you know, the money to get the VIP, uh, meet and greet and go through that process, you know, and, uh, how, how much it meant to us to do that and how exciting it is. And, you know, it's something that, um, means a lot to a lot of people and and it's gotta be, it's gotta be kind of fulfilling to be, to be on that end of it, to help make it happen. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's cool to being out with Dream Theater's camp because a lot of those guys have been a part of Dream Theater's crew for like 10, 20 years. So it's it's the same people that I would be like six years old and going up to see my dad perform. And there's Eric, yep. the drum tech. Or Maddie. And, or Maddie, right? And those guys have been there since day one almost. And it's so cool because it's like this little touring family across the world. Like, they're all family to me. It's, it's awesome. And Rick, somewhere in the office, keeping the whole thing together. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> I, try to, I try to avoid him. I, I, I never want to, I don't want to dis- cause any disruption anywhere at any time. Dude, yeah. Rick is like a coach, man. Like he's, he's the man. Like, he just comes out and just like puts you through drills, man. Get yeah. in order. I love it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely good at his job. He he certainly is. He certainly is. So yeah. what? As a, let's talk drums a little bit, man. So uh, you know, I'm a drummer. You're a drummer, obviously. And one of the things I learned about uh, surprisingly that I didn't know was that your your dad kind of started out as a drummer too. Um, so yeah. what made you? Uh, get into drums like what was your I mean it can't possibly have to do with all the dream theater music you heard in the house growing up could it uh somewhat it's actually a funny story like I started out as a kid playing guitar because my dad had a couple JP uh guitars at his place so I would play those and I started getting guitar lessons and it was fun and I got into it but I got bored really quick and then it wasn't until Mike Mangini got in the band and I met Mike Mangini and I was watching him play behind his kit and I was just like I just like I remember the moment like it was yesterday I was just watching him play and it was so cool so amazing there was a huge crowd they were roaring and I'm like I want to do that I want to hit shit on a stage like that looks like so much fun and then I got a drum kit after the tour, started working on my drums, and started a band, and literally, looking back on guitar, it's nowhere near as much fun for me. Like, with guitar, it felt like, it, it felt like chores, almost. Like, I had to do it, yeah. practice, and like, get good. But with drumming, it was like a hobby. Like, I loved doing it, you know? So, it wasn't until that moment, up on that stage, when I saw Mike playing and everything came together 
And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then I just started doing it and I fell in love with it. I've, I've realized, you know, when I get the opportunity to kind of hang out, you know, on the side of the stage and watch some of these, these big bands like, like Dream Theater or, you know, BT Bam or whoever, um, there's something, there's another level going on of performance when it comes to what's going on with a drummer at a high level. And the, the drummer, like, you, you can't take the drums away and still have a show. You know, if it's a, if it's if it's a band, you know what I mean. Like there there has to be some sort of driving rhythm to push the vehicle forward of of the song, and you know a drummer has this ability to kind of either just be in the background or somebody like Mike Mangini who takes it to this another dimension of what of of what drum performance can be with a band and and how to drive music forward. And I think once you you know what you're talking about like standing up there behind him watching that and you're that's what you're seeing there is like you're seeing the band is performing for the audience but also you're seeing the thing that only the members of the band get to see which is like the performance for each other that the, yeah. the drums are playing you know for the guitar and the guitar is playing for the bass and all that stuff that's going on and when you're like when you get up there at a high level and you see some of that, like it's it's uh, it's magic, you know. And I, I can only imagine, um, you know, a smart guy like yourself getting to to hang around that. You, you must be soaking up a lot from Mangini, I would I would assume. Yeah, like you said, it was it was like magic. It was just like mesmerizing, and it was something I wanted to do from that point on. But even just sitting down with Mike Mangini, like years after that, after I had been drumming for a few years. Um, he will sit down with me. He'll be like, you, you want to learn something? And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. And within two sentences, he hasn't even started talking about drumming yet. <laughs> but he, he is at the same time. Yep. And within two sentences, my mind is just blown. Oh, yeah. And I'm, yep. I'm like, okay, let me just sit with those <laughs> sentences for two weeks, and then we'll continue. Yeah. Like his, he, he just takes it to a whole other level. Like he thinks about every single aspect of drumming from like the most basic concepts to the most crazy in-depth variations of thinking about everything in every single way. He just blows my mind. So it's, it's funny to get to sit down with him and talk with him because uh, it's, it's awesome to see his perspective, a guy at his caliber and to be able to sit down with him and have a one-on-one -on -one with him is unreal. It's uh, I, I sometimes I pinch myself and I'm just, you know, it's, I've been so blessed to get to know him, you know, and Daryl as well. Um, and then to, to learn from him on the level that that I have. And like you're saying, he'll say something and it just it's like a wave, you know, of information. And you're you you get some of it, but you really feel like you need to you got to like digest it. And there was some. Cause we've done a couple podcasts with him and there's some stuff where like I would listen back to it. Like I'd rewind it like five times to try and we, we did an episode just on the grid, man. I'm telling you, go listen to that. And it, it, it like, it's, it's amazing. The, the kind of knowledge that, uh, that a guy like that can possess. And it's, uh, yeah, he's a special, special guy. So, um, what are some of your influences? Um, you know, like you said, you sent me some tracks, and I was I was listening to. I really, really, really dig it, and I'm looking forward to uh, to when it when it gets out there. I think it's really, um, 
I think it's modern in a good way. I don't mean that, uh, you know, in a cynical way by any means. It's it's very highly produced. It's got some great melodies. It's very mature sounding. Sounds like it's had a lot of thought and a lot of, you know, revisions put into it. There's dynamics. There's, you know, there's some heaviness. There's some, uh, you know, really, really dialed in. There's thought put into it, basically. Um, yeah. Which, actually, which is got, cool for a young band. Yeah, thank you, Justin. That means a lot, man. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to send those unreleased tracks over to you to check out because, honestly, um, like our old stuff, it's it's great, and I love what we did there, but this new stuff that we haven't dropped yet, it really blows that out of the water. And I know it's easy to say because I'm in the band and it's my music, but, like, I, I truly feel like it's it's way beyond where we were two, three years ago writing our last EP. So I'm glad you feel the same way and you can see that and hear that. And and partly why it sounds so polished, too, is because, uh, do you know Nolly Getgood? From oh, yeah, he's the man. Yeah, he actually mixed the album for us and he helped really? it just explode. Like, it sounds so huge. That guy is the best of the best, man. Yeah, he's, he's a top top of the game i mean uh and obviously his his work with periphery as a as a bassist is is great um but the, i mean when he kind of got involved with them you heard what he just took their production up to the whole a whole nother level that's really cool man that uh that you're yeah. working with him mm-hmm. so well, your your drums there and you don't have to give away too many state secrets here i'm just curious what are, are, are you um are you using samples or is that all uh acoustic you know, recorded recorded tones and then mapped and everything. They're all replaced with samples, but like real drum samples. Yeah, yeah. They are you using the are those the Nolly drums? Yeah. So those. That's are what the, I thought. Yeah, they sound great. But um, yeah, he he sent me like a list of like everything he replaced them with the samples. I forget, but yeah, they're they're all like drums he's sampled before. So. That uh, sounded great. Yeah, the the technology is, is uh, killer. When I when we uh, did our record with uh, Jamie King a couple years ago, I actually got a whole bunch of samples of my kit in his studio. So I just I'll, I'll load those up in a Superior Drummer, and uh, I can I can have my acoustic kit kind of on my V drum kit, which is which is pretty neat. It's a uh, it's a great time to be a drummer with all this technology. Is that what you guys did for? your ep extractus no so that's all that's all real drums and that's all real drums to a click quantized um no replacement but uh what basically we what we do is we just took those sounds from that recording like in the studio hit the tom a bunch of different times different velocities and i have this whole bank of of those files and you just throw them in to uh you know whatever vst drum software you like and then map them onto your your V drum, so then you have them to write with or or jam or whatever, as opposed to your you know your standard Logic drums or whatever. Nice, yeah. By the way, I I listened to more of your EP there, the Extractus self-titled one. Uh huh. It's really it's really good. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, it was a it was a fun. Was my favorite. What's that? Victim. Victim was my favorite. Oh, thank you, dude. Yeah, it's it's a brutal. <laughs> It's a brutal tune. You know, it's actually, what's pretty cool is uh, I ended up, uh, uh, we ended up on the same bill as, as Judas Priestess. We, we opened up for them 
Uh, we've had oh, wow. Militia on the show, and obviously you know, you know, uh, John's wife is in uh, Judas Priestess. She's the one of the lead guitarists, and mm-hmm. I have a photo, and it's like a video of like it's like my dad, my brother, and JP watching us play that song at the Stone Pony, and it's <laughs> like it's just like the quote for me as a you know as a uh, as a dream theater nerd, it's it's a very cool, very cool little piece of history there for me. But uh, but yeah, man. So what uh, what are you doing to kind of keep sharp? I know we kind of we kind of hit on it earlier, but other than you know practicing and, and working on your 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 kind of individual craft, what are you doing to keep yourself uh, positive and preoccupied during this Corona fun? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, well, been watching Tiger King lately. That's a so, perfect. That's a natural so segue. It's like you're you're a, you're a natural, natural at this, man. So yeah. we oh, we talked a little bit before we got the podcast. I kept hearing about Tiger King, and uh, my buddy was like, "Stop what whatever you're doing, and you know watch this." So I got hooked on it. I couldn't stop watching it over the weekend. Watched it all in like a day and a half, and then I've been <laughs> barking at Daryl to check it out. And then Daryl, you know, checked it out today and. 20 minutes later, he's like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So um, yeah, dude. W- w- what are your thoughts? I don't even know where to begin. Chance, what's your what's your take on the Tiger King, man? I don't know. Like, they've, they've wrapped up the whole first episode so well. Like, I don't even know what's going on. All these Tiger owners either have 10 wives or two husbands or they killed their husband with their Tiger. I don't know what the hell is going on yet. But it's, <laughs> it's nuts, man. But yeah, that's a, what's, what's his Joe Exotic? Oh yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's yeah. a he's an American treasure. He's American. Well, I can't <laughs> say much about it because I don't know like I don't know where it's gonna go because they're painting this uh, Carol girl to be this like tiger saint, but I, I feel like she killed her husband. Oh like, yeah, if there's one thing I'm sure she of she alleged she definitely killed her husband allegedly. Yeah, so fuck, I don't know, man. It's not so for real. What do you think about it? I so okay. Let me preface this with like I'm kind of a I'm the kind of guy where I think you should be allowed to do whatever it is you want to do if it doesn't harm other people or impinge on other people's ability to do what they want to do. Hundred percent. So like that's where I am like my ideology is so if you want to i think when it comes to these animals right if you want to have a tiger and you can take care of it you know and you've got the the necessary the means and all that stuff you should be able to have a tiger so i don't really i don't really have a problem with that i think if i think it's if people can have you know horses and weird stuff like that like sure but where do you draw the line on exotic animals so on on the whether or not people should have tigers you know I think you should do it. You know, go for it. Fuck it. Get yourself a tiger. But I do think it's a little weird when you're creating life just to make money off of it. And then it's it's not sure what you're doing with it once it ages out of its use. You know, like that to me is a little murky. But well, it's... it's go ahead. It's really zoo is at the end of the day. Right. That's I, what I mean. Like, I, why? Are, how are we drawing the line between like... Oh, it's okay if they do it, but if if a meth head in Oklahoma wants to do it, it it's not okay. Yeah, see, but I like since I've been a kid, 
I'm, I'm totally with you on the, you, you should be able to do whatever you, you want to do as long as it's not putting anyone else or anything in harm's way. I'm, I'm totally with you on that because I truly believe that we should be as free as we possibly can be during our time on this planet. But with the Tiger King full thing is like, sure, if you want to be a Tiger King and own all these tigers and have uh, at least $10,000 for each tiger you own to feed them a year and you have enough space for them to you know, not go crazy in a little confined area, then great, you should be able to do that. But what they're doing is no different than what zoos do. And that's why I've never liked zoos. Even since when I was a kid, my family would go to some zoos once in a while, like the Toronto Zoo or whatever. And I was like, why? Like all yeah. these people here taking pictures of these tired, like just miserable animals trapped in these cages. And it was like sickening to me. I've never liked that. So with this show, I'm like, that's definitely not okay either. But I feel like, like you said, if, if there was just more laws in place that said like, okay, like if you own a tiger, we need to see the numbers. Yep. We need to see that you're actually taking care of them. They have enough space and it needs to be uh, just processed through the government better. That's what I think. Yeah, and, and you know, like, I'm with you on the zoos, man. Like, it got to a certain point where, you know, the Philadelphia Zoo we have here is, is like, I think it's, like, the nation's oldest zoo, and it's one of the top, you know, zoos. And it's just, it's like you're saying, it's just sad. And then I went out to the San Diego Zoo recently, and once I was there, it made every other zoo I'd ever been to feel like an animal prison. And that's when I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to go do zoos anymore, because, like, there, they're like in habitats and they're huge open areas and, and, and this, you know, I don't want to see stuff in a cage. Like, that's just weird to me. But I think the thing that's, like you're saying, if they just find a way to make sure you're feeding it and doing all that. But if these animals are endangered and they're not able to, like, because they're not going to survive in their natural habitats because that keeps getting encroached on by poachers and development and construction and all that shit like why sh why would we stop people that are good at it from doing it to repopulate the animals so that we still have them because like that's yeah. like in africa they have this problem with like game hunting where people uh you know and obviously we're not advocating for for hunting animal uh, elephants or whatever but th you know these animals, they have to, they, they sell tags for them to hunt them. And then the money they get from hunting these older animals funds the care of all of them for like a whole year. And it, it like keeps the system going and makes it so it's almost, it's like you got to hunt, you got to have to put a value on it to save it. And it's this whole weird thing. And it's like, where, you know, it's very blurry, but you know, did you see any of his music videos yet? Oh, I saw some uh, a bit of the footage that they that they were like showing in the episode one and two. And Dude, <laughs> it's crazy, man. He's almost like a it's Michael nuts. Scott like character, you know, from The Office. Yeah, it's. I thought it like I was watching Trailer Park Boys for a bit too when I was just watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's. It's like sometimes he's just. Uh, he's a showman. Yeah, he's, he's a showman. Um, big fan of the Tiger King. Yeah, if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out yet, um, perfect coronavirus quarantine viewing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like well, they, they planned this. About like, 
you got to talk about just like, and I agree with both of you guys on, you know, the zoos and trying to repopulate the, uh, the, 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 the endangered species. But the show itself is unbelievably addictive. Oh, just like, like, for, like crack. For, dude, like to, I, you told me about this yesterday and I've, I've watched all of three episodes and I, I'm clamoring to watch the fourth one because you have, just like you were saying, those, those music videos, you have anytime you can have a person, like any one person that can literally go from singing country to shooting an inanimate object and blowing it up with Dude. dynamite and M16 in the music video. Like it just it, it's ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. And and not to get not to get uh, sidetracked on a whole firearms conversation, but you know, I'm watching this show and sometimes he's some of the things he's doing with these guns, I'm just um it's making me so nervous and I'm like, man, and I don't want to spoil it. I'm like, man, somebody's going to have an accident here. And, 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 you know, like he's, he's just crazy and he's like pulling his, his gun out and just shooting it in the air and stuff. Like he's like a, he's like Yosemite Sam or something. Like he's like a cartoon character. He's freaking rolling, rolling around like tombstone, man. Like it's, it's it's crazy, man. I love it. It's great TV though. Over Carol's place with uh, the helicopter and he was talking about dropping grenades. Oh, I know, dude. He's he's uh he's he's uh he's a legend. I'd like to get him and Ted Nugent together. They'd probably they'd probably be quite the pair. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, man. Yeah, they, yeah, and you know, but the show's got everything, right? It's got it's got uh you know, polygamy, drugs, violence, um, you know, breast implants, sex, you know, tigers. Like, <laughs> The, the animal cat is is the one for me. Like he's the guy. Like okay, Doc Antle, of, oh, dude, Bhagavan. Let me, let me so. Oh yeah, surround myself with all of these 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 beautiful women. Make it like mandatory that as soon as they're you know around me, you guys got to get breast implants. It's just, it's just dude. I love I love how he tried to. He said something like, like yeah, I have apprentices. Yes, I like it's better if they're they're younger and they're here for a long time. Yes, it's like like he's trying to like talk his way out of like do you have a harem of young tiger girls? And it's like do I have a tiger harem? No. Do I have a bunch of women who have been with me since they were 16? Yes. You know? I just What's yeah. that? He keeps trying to justify. It's hilarious, and it's it was funny too when that uh, Tim Stark guy. Oh yeah, he, uh, went to like Doc Anto and he's like, <laughs> I don't want to learn anything about breeding cats. I want to learn how you train your women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. And the creepiest yeah. thing I thought was that he gave all the girls like tiger names, like they're all oh, yeah. like they're all like Michalu and and Mishala, like these crazy ass like, <laughs> you know, I don't. I've always wondered where they like at zoos and stuff, like where they come up with those. Uh, those bizarre ass names, but whew, I'll tell you, yeah, I want, uh, and, and my, my fiance has family in Myrtle beach. Um, and she's like, Oh yeah, I've always heard about that place. It's like crazy expensive. We've, we've always wanted to check it out. I'm like, listen, we got to go. I got to get eyes on Bhagavan and yeah, uh, find out more about yeah. his, his system here. You know, how yeah. much, how much for his, his class on, on his scheme. That's, that's what I'm interested in. You gotta know. 
You got to You get a girl that can just drop herself off, dude. That's crazy, man. Just hanging out at bus stations waiting for transients to come in. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's great. You got to be careful or else you're, you'll end up at a tiger sanctuary. Yeah. It's a... Uh, eat off of food trucks. That oh, was the worst, no. and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's oh. so good. Oh, they have the best chicken here, the best, the best pizza," and they're eating old room temp Walmart truck meat. And they don't even have any fridges oh. to store it in. They just throw it in their trailers. I'm nodding my head violently oh. right now. If you're listening to this, it's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Listen, yeah, literally spoiler alert. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen Tiger King, you're you're. You should just stop listening right now and, and get on over there. So, um, Chance, as we wrap up here, my man, this has been an awesome pod. Um, where can – oh, and before I forget, you absolutely have to check out Doc Antle's Instagram. Um, it's I think it's at Doc Antle if you type it in. Um, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. But he's got, like, his son running around in a Tarzan outfit. He refers to like he's got these chimps that he calls his sons, and, no and they're way. like, "Dude, I'm not even no kidding, way. dude, I'm not even kidding." He puts these fu- these chimps in a in a Lambo, and I guess he puts it in neutral, and somebody pushes it, and the chimps are driving it around, and and he's just got these girls, and it's the craziest shit, and I love it, and I can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm That's at it. amazing. Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that great? And I went from having, similar to coronavirus, I went from having zero interest in tigers to now I'm I'm trying to be the tiger king of, you know, of, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm all about it. I'm all about the tigers now. All about tiger awareness. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. And I thought, like, here, I like an idiot. They'll tell me the snow tigers, oh, yeah, the white tigers, they're like, I've seen like 50 of them in the first two episodes. They're apparently, they're all over Oklahoma. Not awesome. not endangered. So, Chance, no. where can everybody keep up with you and uh, everything that's going on with your music? Um, and uh, and give us uh, give us the plug on where people can can listen to your tunes as everybody's uh, doing their social distance thing. Well, once we finally get all this out, it'll be on all streaming platforms, and we're going to be coming out with some music videos for the tunes too. But. Uh, to keep you updated, you can follow me or follow the band at Fallset Official on Instagram. Awesome, and that that'll be in the uh, the show notes below. So uh, give that a give that a uh, a review. And thank you for 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 hanging with us today, Chance. Had a great conversation, man. And uh, nice, we'll definitely bro. be we'll be catching you soon, and, and hopefully we'll be seeing you next time Dream Theater rolls around. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. All right, man. Take it easy. Take it easy.